this is so not who I am. This is so not what I'm about. But again, like you were saying, I'm staying in it because Mm -hmm. of financial insecurity. Mm -hmm. I'm staying in it because I'm actually in denial a little bit. Hello, my love, and welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. My name is Melissa Martin. I am a business and embodiment coach and creator of the Boldly Courageous community. Just like you, I've walked through some dark seasons in life and I know what it's like to start over again and write a new story. This podcast is here to activate you, to show you what's possible when you embody your power and walk with courage and fear in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Each week, you will hear authentic conversations with thought leaders and visionaries as we dive deep into topics such as spirituality, business, money, relationships, sexuality, and so much more so that you can fully embody your boldly courageous self. Are you ready? Let's drop in. Hey, real quick before we dive into the episode, I need to let you know about something really, really special to me. So if you're anything like me and you've had this calling on your heart to start a podcast, but you have no idea where to start, I want to introduce you to the incredible team that I have worked with literally from day one of launching Boldly Courageous over at Podcast Co. They have just released a self-paced course called Launch Your Fucking Podcast. This program will literally take you through step by step of launching your podcast from start to finish. You will learn everything about how to create and find the foundation and mission of your podcast, how to come up with the perfect name, get super clear on your audience and the structure of your show. Also, you will learn how to record, how to produce, how to edit, and also hosting music, creating the perfect cover and building a successful launch strategy. Basically, by the end of the program, you will have launched a podcast that feels authentic and expansive to you, labeling you as the expert that is ready to impact and grow your audience in whatever phase of life they may be at. So all you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, use code boldly courageous at checkout, and you will get a hundred dollars off the launch your fucking podcast course. So now let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous Podcast. As always, it is such an honor that you are here today. And this conversation is such a fun, interesting, and dynamic conversation with my guest, Andrea Lowell. She is a self-mastery coach from Long Beach, California. She was introduced to me by a mutual friend. And what's so interesting about Andrea is that her background is from working with Playboy. And so she did some modeling. She had a a talk show. She was the quintessential girl next door and very much rooted in that world. And our conversation, we dive so deep into the process of self-mastery. We dive deep into the process of embodiment of feminine leadership and emotional intelligence. It is such a powerful reclamation of confidence and self-awareness. And in this conversation, Andrea talks a lot about self-awareness. She talks a lot about embodiment. She talks a lot about alignment. And really the overall theme of this conversation is truth. That when you are living fiercely and radically in your truth and in congruency with what your soul desires, 
you become magnetic and the universe delivers. So she shares some incredibly boldly courageous moves that she's made recently, what that process has looked like and how she's gotten to a place of living and leading from a place of full faith and full embodiment. So Andrea Lowell is a self-mastery coach. And after spending over half of her life in the entertainment industry, she discovered it's not quote being on TV having a house on the beach or a cool car in the driveway that equates to success. In fact, Andrea was miserable when she quote, had it all. She used her own despair and hopelessness as the fertile ground for radical self-improvement and personal growth. After an instant awakening in 2012, she shares that story on the podcast. She put herself to work the inner work. And also by incorporating decades of research into quantum mechanics, ancient wisdom, and self-healing, Andrea has discovered that by uncovering her core essence through radical self-awareness and coupling that with harnessing universal and natural law, she not only became a manifesting master, but she also became self-mastered. She has put this blueprint for bliss into a course at the suggestion of a client and has now guided countless women from any and all stages of their current personal development, personal pain, stagnation, or frustration into self-mastered queens. Andrea's formula is proven and simple, and she has discovered that by integrating her knowledge into a daily lifestyle, she has uncovered the keys to living drama-free, guilt-free, shame-free, and full of self-worth, self-love, joy, purpose, and above all, abundance. She's happily married to her partner of over 20 years. They love to spend as much time in nature as possible, opting to go overlanding and backpacking for vacations. And they have found that the less they desire, the more they have. And the more they receive, inner peace and bliss are what Andrea has found to be the result of her lifestyle and outlook on life. Let's dive into my conversation with Andrea. Andrea, welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. It's such an honor to have you here. And something that I have received just in the short time that we've gotten to know each other is this duality between like this softness of your feminine, but also this like deep siren, like vixen energy that comes out as well, which is like so spicy and beautiful. And um, it's such a, uh, for me personally, a beautiful mirror of what's accessible to me. I'm navigating through some shifts in my own uh, divine feminine expression. And so of course you're here in my life to mirror back to me what's available. So just thank you so much for being you and for being here. Girl, thank you so much. And yeah, you know what? I wasn't able to fully embody this more siren, sultry, authentic side of my feminine until I learned exactly what my, you know, shadow feminine was or living too much in my masculine for years. And finally being able to say, you know what? Here I am. I know my underlying intention, which is authenticity. It's not to, you know, try to turn people on or get likes for the wrong reasons. It's so good to sit fully into who I am and not have to worry about the why underneath it all. So thank you for seeing that. And girl, I'll always mirror and reflect the truth back to you. (laughs) What there's such a level of permission in that. That's what I'm, what I'm feeling from just what you shared is like just unlocking levels of permission that I know so many women are seeking. And I have no doubt that this conversation is going to unlock levels of permission for so many people. Uh, Yes. Bring it on. (laughs) So with that being said, what is one boldly courageous thing that you have done recently? Okay. I 
This is so crazy because, you know, you know, we travel a lot, we go places and we're always like, you know what, I'm going to move. I'm going to, I want to live here. I actually bought just under four acres of land out of state. And I just got full chills when I said that. And I am moving out of California, which is crazy because my family's here, my, you know, brick and mortar business is here, but I am boldly and courageously making the move because I know that the sole yearning I have to this out of state land and this property and the infinite possibilities that I can create there, you know, retreat spaces, Airbnb, my own like studio space, frolicking naked in my own private wilderness. Like it's every, oh my God, I just got chills again. I, cause yeah, frolicking naked is very important to me. <laughs> so it's like, Everything that I've known I've wanted, but have just been right on the other side of fear. Like, oh, can I do it? It's a lot of money. It's a big move. It's like, you know what? If not now, when? Mm -hmm. And I had to answer that question myself. It's like, if it's not now, never. So just do it. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Any decision I make doesn't mean it's written in stone. Mm -hmm. I have no problem making mistakes, Melissa, because if I've made a mistake, it means I'm learning from it. So let's say I move out of state and let's say I try it out for a couple of years and I'm absolutely miserable. Guess what? I can move back. Not a big deal. You know? So I think in our minds, we think any big decision we have to make is like life or death, black or white. And there's such a huge gray area in the middle. And that's one of the things I really try to stay in and teach my clients live in the gray, mm. live in the gray. It's mm. a beautiful place to be, you know? What I've been playing with recently, and this um, came up on a podcast around money is what rules am I playing by? Mm. And I, I love what you just shared about like, Hey, I can make any decision and I can change my mind later. Right. And I think when it comes to whatever paradigm we're in that we want to shift, whether it's relationships or money or life or living situations, right. We our our brain like defaults to us, to a set of rules that we've agreed upon, whether mm -hmm. we knew, know it like consciously or subconsciously, whether it's programming from what people told us is possible. And I'm always asking myself, like, wait a second, <laughs> if I could change the rules, what would I do? Like, how would this be different? And it's like, just like what you were saying, Hey, if it doesn't work out, I can always move back. There's no such thing as mistakes. So I feel you on that. And, and again, there's so much permission in that, right. Of like, yes. I can, I can change the rules. Yes. So I think the missing piece for most people when they are trying to change the rule or break free of a paradigm is a lack of humility. Mm. So many people think, okay, well, let's say I'm moving to New York or I'm moving to Costa Rica or I'm moving to a lot, whatever. If I mess up, oh my God, I'm going to look like a fool. I'm going to look like an idiot. I'm going to let my family down. Who cares? No one is judging you like you think they're judging you. And guess what? Other people's opinion of you is none of your business. Mm. If I operate my life worrying about the judgment of others, the perception of others, the opinion of others, I'm stuck in this rule box. I'm stuck in this small paradigm. I have to have the humility to say, you know what? I messed up and it's okay because I'm evolving from it. And typically we don't always make the wrong decision. Like, 
don't live in the fear, I guess is what I'm trying to say, of having to prove to everyone that you know what you're doing and you've got this figured out because guess what? We're all faking it. No one knows what the hell's going on. I don't know what I'm doing. I just show up every day and do my best, truly. You know, I'm winging it. I'm, I'm the CEO of winging it, girl. And <laughs> when I, but when I do this, because I'm in trust, so I can wing it, you know? Um, I have amazing miracles happen to me. Um, and I have that expectation that miracles do happen to me. And I have that knowing that I am being divinely carried. So if that's really the rules I'm operating through. What kind of reality am I going to create? And I'll tell you, it, it's a really nice one. <laughs> yeah. And I can hear some people being like, wow, that's great for you. Great for you that you have that uh, ability to surrender or that trust or that freedom. But like my life is so busy. I have so many people that rely on me. I'm the breadwinner. There's too many moving parts. I could never leave my family. Like, I feel like there's people that are going like, like that's, that feels ungrounded or that feels irresponsible or that feels not safe. Right. Mm -hmm. And when we first started talking, you were mentioning a former life of being really in your masculine and how free you feel now. So can you maybe back the, truck up a little bit and, and meet some of the people where they're at in terms of like, Hey, I get where you are. Cause I'm sure that you've been in that space. And what was the process for you to go from hyper-masculine, super controlling, afraid to let go and take risks to now so divinely guided, like so tapped in, so trusting, such a powerful manifester and a woman who's clearly very much embodied in, you know, your power. Thank you so much for saying all that. So how long, how long do we have, Melissa? How much do we have? <laughs> so let's start with the belief that we're trapped, you know, to really summarize what you just said, because everything that you just mentioned, people rely on me. I'm the breadwinner. I'm the this. I'm the that. I, I am all those things, you know? I could easily believe those narratives, which are liars, really, you know, people do rely on me, but within this structure that I've created, it's okay to change that structure. You know, one of my biggest setbacks and limitations in my own personal growth, both professionally and spiritually and all the ways was me not making big, bold, courageous moves because I was so afraid of letting other people down. You know, it wasn't financial fear or this or that. It was, you know what? I have so many clients in this location. Oh my God, I can't quit here. I can't move. I can't leave. What are they going to do without me? What? Get over myself. Like really, when I finally made that decision to leave a set group of clients that I'd had for years, I was so afraid of like, you know, the breakup story and the waterworks and the, oh, how are these conversations going to go? Every single client was so happy for me. You go girl, you, you grow, you glow. And it's like, wow, the story of being trapped or these people needing me was in my mind. So then I could hear a listener saying, well, I'm talking about my, my family, my elderly parents, my this, my that. You know what? I have that too. I have that too. Me and my husband, we both have parents and families who, who need us. But I cannot continue living my life for the needs of other people. And guess what happened when I did that? My mom, who was like, oh, we're not going where you're going. That's too long of a plane ride. That's too long of a car ride. It's not going to be comfortable. We're old. Tell me why she just bought the land right next door to me. Tell me why she's talking about putting in a well and a septic system and building a cabin. And like, once we start making these big, bold moves, because people know that we are embodied and we are in faith, 
like you said, it gives them that permission to start changing their own paradigm, their own ideas. They're saying, well, if Andrea can, you know, fearlessly leave every bit of success that she has here in California behind and boldly and fearlessly go into this new direction, maybe I can too. So I want to let the listeners know it's okay to make big, scary decisions. And it's okay to involve people in them that need to be involved in them. But when we look at our life, like it's an arc, you know, like half of a circle for, you know, people who are listening, you you and I probably are in that first quarter, first third of the arc. Whereas like our parents are in that last third or last quarter of the arc. So am I going to live the rest of my life? You know, this beautiful rainbow of life I have left for, for my parents, or am I going to live it for me and allow them to make choices that might support my decisions? So we just got to get out of this idea that I can't, I'm too held down. I have too many responsibilities because when you take the actions, you know, the way that the universe works, the miracles will follow. It's that secret sauce of willingness. So to tie it all in with the feminine and the masculine, you know, the masculine I was in for way too long, way, way, way too long. I was uh, living in toxic femininity, to be 100% honest. I was using all of my natural gifts and abilities in the absolute wrong arena and for the wrong reasons. I used to work for Playboy TV, Playboy Radio. I was also a Playboy model. I'd been on the uh, cover of a couple of um, like special editions, like College Girls, blah, blah, blah. Started when I was 19 years old, and that became my career. And I was this is going to sound weird coming from a woman's mouth, but I was misogynistic. I was all the things that that industry and that, I don't know, realm uh, told me I had to be, you know, I had to fit into this mold. I was actually told by an executive, you can't be smart and pretty pick one. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm on TV, so I guess I'll go with pretty. Like, I mean, it was very bizarre. So, and I would have to protect myself as well, like against guests and not necessarily, Playboy was great to work for, like as far as protecting me, you know, making sure I was well taken care of. But like, you know, you're traveling and you're under this umbrella of this company. So people have these assumptions about you and they're just not true. And guests come on and they think because you work for Playboy that you're, um, you know, easy. And so you have to put this like super protective um, mask on but also play this role of like this ding dong bimbo. And I say that because it was me playing it. And I have full authority to say that I'm not speaking for anyone else's role at Playboy, but that was mine. And you just have to live that. And my role, my designation, especially from the radio show was you are America's number one party girl. And, you know, you go out and you do tours and you're going to Super Bowl parties and other things. You have to be that. And so I would drink the boys under the table. You know, I would take my top off. I'd like, I was just doing all the things that had nothing to do with anything. And, you know, that phase of my life, um, I'm well removed from that now. It's funny. I talk about this version of myself and I'm like, who am I talking about? (laughs) Like, who's that girl? Like she's that poor thing. So naive and so misunderstood and just doesn't, just doesn't get it. So not embodied. Right. Mm. But I can say this because I was living for everyone else's ideals, for their rules, 
for their acceptance. So even though that's a gross example, you know, an exaggerated example, it parlays right into my current life. If I'm still living for everyone else's rules, no matter who they are, whether it's society, my parents, blah, 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 then I'm not fully embodied in who I am and Mm -hmm. I'm not being authentic and I'm still a fake, a fraud and a phony. Mm -hmm. It's just in a different arena. So I have a lot of experience with this and I had to realize that a lot of my masculine, which was hypersexuality, aggressiveness, blame, um, control, and all these things are based out of fear. No one controls if they're not in fear. Mm. And that and I was like, I was like just in perpetual, like, you know, adrenaline mode. Right. It was like, because I was so not me. And when you're so not you, you have to be what's not you. And that was totally hyper-masculine. And I don't mean the beautiful aspects of being masculine. I mean, the survival skills that took me through this phase of my life. And finally, when you do the work and you see that those character traits and those behaviors are stemmed from underlying fears. And they're not me. They're not who I am. They were survival skills that got me through a turbulent time. I can let go of them. And because I've identified them and I know the fear that perpetuates them when they start to pop up in any situation, I can say, Oh no, I know what that is. I'm not playing this game. Mm -hmm. Bye. Mm -hmm. And I can turn it over to either a power greater than myself. You know, I like to call my higher power source or, you know, a God or the the universe or the cosmic computer, (laughs) or I can just catch it and flip it in my mind. But the trick is the identification of knowing when it's popping up, why it's popping up. And for me, I can always deduce it down to a fear. Mm -hmm. So I can see where the old stories that I used to live in and the old behaviors, even though that version of me is gone, could pop back up into my reality today, completely different scenario, completely different players in the game, but the same probable outcomes if I'm not authentic and not true to myself and not living in my feminine, which is who I came here to be and to live Mm. in. Mm. Mic drop so much wisdom in what you just shared and, and thank you for giving such, I I really liked the arc and I can see that playing out of like where you are in that space. And what an interesting, like juxtaposition of this beautiful woman who is now, I mean, you're obviously very embodied in your feminine, but working for a publication like Playboy and feeling like you have to be so in your masculine, like, like what a interesting balance of duality or even polarity. And so this word embodiment is coming up a lot and not just in our conversation, but I think we're starting to see a shift in the coaching space and the way that women are being, it's a big part of my brand as well. Um, and so I'm curious, like when you look at the version of you that was working for Playboy, like Playboy is such an iconic brand for what I'm using in air quotes as feminine embodiment. Right. (laughs) Right. It's, it's like this, these women that appear to be in their power because they, they, you know, possess this, like, again, this like siren energy, this like seductress, which is very much a power play. And from the outside looking in might look like a woman that is embodied in her feminine. Right. Mm -hmm. So now being where you are now, I'm curious if you could share 
perhaps like what embodiment in the feminine looks like to you now versus maybe what it looked like to you then. Because I'm sure at that point you had a story about I'm in my power, I'm in control, I'm embodied, I'm such a strong, powerful woman, like I'm in control, right? But now you have a very different expression of what embodiment in the feminine is. So I'd love for you to kind of share maybe the the differences between those two. Totally. What a phenomenal question, Melissa. Yeah. You have it so right. I thought I was so empowered. I thought I was actually using Playboy, for example, like I'm exploiting them in a way. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the one laughing all the way to the bank. Like, yeah, I look good. I'm going to make money from it. Like, it became a sense of power for me, which again, fueled that masculine because a feminine, yeah, it's cool to have power, but that's not what we came here. We came here to be protected so we can, you know, step into our gifts and our nurturing and our passions and our creativity and feel that safety to truly be who we are. And instead at Playboy, I was being who the magazine wanted me to be. I had no say on my hair or makeup. I had no say on the outfit. I had no say on the poses. So I'm lying to myself. I have no control over this. I'm not being creative. I'm not being my own brand of feminine. I am literally playing into an archetype of a Mm -hmm. siren that Mm -hmm. Playboy has created. Hef Mm -hmm. calls it the girl next door. You know what I mean? And I remember I would, I would run with that line all the way to the bank be like, yeah, I'm someone's neighbor. I'm the girl next door. (laughs) Like, come on. You know, it's so funny. It's like, they gave me fake eyelashes, fake hair, fake fingernails, even for these shoots, fake tan. I'd get full body makeup, the whole thing. And it was really like, just let's be a clone of the next girl. And there was no individuality of it. So when I look back at that, I really believed my own narrative. I believed I was this epitome of the, like at that point, even though I didn't know what a divine feminine was, I thought I was one, you know, I was like, Ooh, I am the, I'm the queen of hotness, sensuality. You know, I can use my beauty to, you know, allure men. And not that I would use that. I knew I had that power, but I wouldn't use that. Um, It was so fake. It was so fake. And now it's like, I want to allow the masculine, the divine masculine to allow me the space to fully be who I am in my authenticity. So yes, my authenticity today, and guess what listeners, it changes. Um, My authenticity is what brings me the highest joy in this moment. As long as I'm serving the highest from my highest and doing no harm to anyone else. Mm -hmm. So my authenticity today is, yeah, I do love a good soft glam makeup. You know, yeah, I, I do like, I do like to look really pretty and sexy, but I'm not doing it for anyone. I'm doing it for me because in fact, my husband prefers me with no makeup. So clearly I'm doing this cause I like it. You know what I mean? But I'm allowed that space to show up as myself and to do that fearlessly so that I can create from a place of safety. And I didn't have that before. I didn't feel safe. I felt taken care of like financially, Mm -hmm. but if I had shown up as like the true Andrea, would I gotten fired? Mm -hmm. Would I have not been put on the cover? Maybe I wouldn't have the lead show. Maybe I'd have some back show at the, you know, when no one's driving home from work, you know? So there's a, there's a fear and there's a get in line and um, really do what 
everyone else is doing conformity. Conformity is the absolute antithesis of divinity of Mm -hmm. femininity. You know, I can be inspired by other people. I can be motivated and encouraged by other people, but I shall not be a replica of anyone else because we know this, Melissa, our uniqueness is our superpower. You know, you and I, we probably agree on 90% of things, but you're not me. I'm not you. No one will ever have the same perceptions that we have. No one will ever have the same exact way of articulating. No one will have the exact same, you know, medicine to serve the collective. We might have the same goal, but we all have our special little magic and mojo in the way that we do it. And that's why we're here. We're not here to be clones of one another. So I think that's for me, what the, the biggest reflection of not in my feminine. I think I'm in my feminine being what they're telling me to be keeping it safe by playing by their rules versus who I am now feeling safe to be me taking fearless, you know, imperfect action (laughs) and, and being a perpetual student, being able to learn, you know? So I, I think I answered the question. (laughs) Yeah, no, you said it beautifully. And it's interesting what, what I'm hearing and what was kind of coming up for me is like putting myself in that position to know that like, if I don't, or, you know, saying I loosely in terms of what you were sharing, like if I don't accept this role or conform the next person in line will, and there must be this point where you meet yourself and you're probably experiencing that now with this big move of like this fear of what, if it doesn't work out and these rules that you're playing by, right. is like knowing that, if I don't conform, I'll be, I will be passed up for this opportunity, this opportunity, this opportunity, and strategically thinking like, does that fall in line with the things that I want? Right. Mm. And also knowing now that by walking away from something that doesn't feel good, creates space to step into something that's even greater and more authentic. Right. And it's almost like this self-abandonment, like I'm abandoning myself for the sake of what I think I want. But when I do that, I'm further and further away from my true embodiment of my worth and myself. And so you think it's a self-worth thing, like, oh, I'm doing this to further my career. I'm doing this to put myself in the limelight. But really what you're doing is moving further and further away from true self and potential and opportunity by staying in what you think is good, forsaking what is great but it's scary. You risk a lot. So what was the defining moment for you to actually say, I'm no longer willing to operate this way? Was there like a, was there a defining moment or a, a, a time in your life where you realize like this old paradigm is not working for me anymore? Absolutely. And yes, yes, yes. To everything you just said, you know, I had woken up spiritually while I was still working for Playboy and I was getting to a point where like, why am I still working for this company? Again, the company treated me well. They like the people I worked with and for wonderful people have nothing bad to say about them. You know, I was always um, treated with a lot of respect at work. Um, But the content that we were creating was so vapid, was so pointless, baseless, I remember having some guy and I, I don't pay attention to pop culture except what's on the show, because again, I'm spiritually awakened. I don't care, like whatever. Some guy named Safari came in. I think he's like a rapper. And we start talking about him dating Nicki Minaj. 
And in my mind, I'm like, I'm doing like an internal eye roll because outside of work, and don't get me wrong, like I'm on radio, but we're simulcasting live on TV. So I have to just be like, oh my God, oh, that's so cool. You're dating Nicki Minaj. Oh my God, tell me more. Like, huh. <laughs> I'm doing this like, oh my God. And um, I start realizing, why am I doing this to myself? Like, we start talking about Nicki Minaj's butt implants. And I'm having these internal epiphanies like, this is so not who I am. This is so not what I'm about. But again, like you were saying, I'm staying in it because mm -hmm. of financial insecurity. Mm -hmm. I'm staying in it because I'm actually in denial a little bit. And I think that I'm just, you know what, I'm going to use them. I've, I've awakened. I know that this is not an alignment, but I'm just going to keep on showing up and keep collecting those paychecks until I find something that's going to pay me more mm -hmm. or, you know, make me as comfortable as I am now. And that kept me trapped. That kept me trapped in that morning radio seat and on that morning television show for five more years after I was spiritually awakened. Oh, I know girl, what a nightmare, but I had to learn the hard way. Um, so that the lesson was fully integrated and I will never repeat that same mistake. So what happened was I was, um, sitting in the makeup chair one morning and I was getting my hair and makeup done and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm watching this process of me go from like, you know, this cute girl into this, like vixen bombshell centerfold. And I start crying. Mm -hmm. And at this point in my life, I wasn't the type of person that could cry as easily as I can cry now, because I, right now I'm not afraid to be seen crying. I know it's beautiful. I love being emotional now. Um, remember I was still partly in my masculine. Um, and it was so cute. The makeup girl was like, Oh my God, Andrea, are you not happy with your hair? And I'm like, <laughs> No, no, the hair's great. Love the hair. You know, the eyelashes are cool too. I was like, I can't keep doing this. Looking at myself, eye gazing with myself, looking at my truth, looking at my soul. No, I had, I had a head and a heart full of spiritual content and knowledge and self-knowledge. And I'm sitting in this chair, like insulting every fiber of my being. Mm. And I just had a breakdown. And, uh, I talked to the executive producers and the higher ups and it wasn't like a two week notice or anything, but we all collectively decided that the show would cease to exist from that point. And about two weeks later it was gone. I just couldn't do it anymore. And it was so freeing to know that I was no longer bound by the chains of financial insecurity, I was no longer bound by this need to be comfortable. Like the trick to enlightenment, spiritual expansion, just getting to the next step of our happiness is getting really comfortable being uncomfortable. And if here I am, you know, espousing faith and knowing and believing, then why am I staying trapped? Do I not mm. believe that my higher power source is going to provide for me? And that's exactly what happened. I had no clue what was going to be next for me, but I knew that my higher power source didn't take me that far 
just to take me that far. My higher power source didn't, you know, say, okay, you've woken up, you've uh, quit playboy. I'm just going to drop you on your ass right here. That was fun. No, of course not. And I really want the listeners to know that you were not brought this far just to be brought this far. So when the ego comes in and starts giving you fear and doubt and rules and other people's opinions, it's not real. You are being carried. You are being protective. You you're protected. You always have been just look back at the facts of your life. You were always carried. The only thing that's going to stop you from being carried is detachment or misalignment from that beautiful source of power, you know? So that's when we got to dig in even deeper to our spirituality. When we're feeling doubt, we're feeling fear, we're feeling a lack of faith. How do what we got to do the opposite, cultivate more faith, you know, start making little manifestations so we can be doubtless and you will be carried. And it was funny because during this point in time in my life, my husband's like, what are you going to do for work? Oh my God. Like you're just sitting on the couch. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm focusing on my spirituality. Like I made this big, bold move because I'm in faith and I, I had the epiphany. I can't keep doing this. And I, I, I got to follow that. You know, my, my emotions are the ally of my soul. So if I have sadness, if I have joy, any emotion, it's my soul communicating with me that I'm either in perfect alignment or I am out of balance. And when I got that huge emotional breakdown, the tears, the sobbing in that makeup chair, I knew that I was out of complete balance and that my soul was communicating with me. So after this, you know, I'm sitting on the couch and my husband's in his little fear, which I understand I'm the breadwinner, you know, like, what do you mean? You quit the job. What do you mean? This show doesn't exist. It's like, I'm going to focus on my spirituality. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get nasty with my gratitude. I'm going to be of service. I'm going to set my intention today. Not what I can get, but how can I show up and serve? And when I do that, I'm sending out rockets and, you know, fireworks of abundance consciousness. And guess what happens? I get more abundant and I get more to be grateful for. And I don't remember what the exact first gig was that I got um, after this because it was so long ago, but I remember getting checks and opportunities for, you know, five figures here, five, like random stuff. It wasn't like I didn't have like a, a regular job, but I kept getting these beautiful opportunities where I was just financially taken care of. And finally, my husband was like, I'm going to stop questioning you and I'm just going to let you do you because you are killing it. And can you teach me some of these methods? <laughs> so and that and what what if I would have stayed comfortable? What if I was still on this show to this day mm. just because I was afraid of a paycheck, you know? It's so interesting, the duality here again of um, imposter syndrome, right? So on one side, like imposter syndrome is really like I've been playing with this, this idea of the um, multiple dimensions of confidence, right? And so this is like such a integral part of my brand. And I know you align with this is like the, the look at me confidence, which is all about the external. Like you were saying, like, I'm the siren, I'm the muse, I'm the vixen. Look at how powerful I am. I can drink the boys under the table. I'm fun. I'm playful. I'm the girl next door, all the things. And it's so outwardly focused. And, and yet within it, there's this feeling of imposter. Like I'm not really that person. If they find out, you know, what will they say about me? 
And so there's a sense of manipulation in that of like, I need to curate this story about who I am so that when you come in contact with me, this is this narrative you're writing. But if I can't keep up with that narrative, it's exhausting to our nervous system. And we, but we have to, it's like, it's like being on drugs. Like you have to keep telling the next story and telling the next story and keeping up the facade. And then it's so interesting because then you started realizing, Hey, I, this is a facade. And you started doing your inner work and realize like now that the inner, now that you are awoken to your truth, you were like, I'm now, now I feel like an imposter to my truth because I'm continually putting myself like I'm, I'm aware of this now. Right. So like those in the spiritual world who know me as this divine being, my God's my guides, my God source is going to say you're being an imposter. So it's like you got the double-edged sword of imposter syndrome on both sides, the asleep version of imposter syndrome, and then the awakened version of imposter syndrome, which what a beautiful place like to meet yourself, right? To be able to really see, okay, Andrea, what are you going to do about this? And you clearly made a choice and, and it seems like it was from a very empowered place. And you, um, you mentioned the word alignment. Mm -hmm. This is another word that is kind of a buzzword in the spiritual community. And we hear a lot about being in alignment and being embodied. And I, and so now, um, having gone through this, um, walk through self-respect and, um, embodiment and self-honoring, how do you find alignment in your life today? Like what how do you know when you're operating from a place of alignment or you're operating from a place of maybe self-abandonment or like this performative, like, look at me kind of confidence? What a fantastic question, Melissa. I love how just deep you go. Alignment for me is congruency between my mind, body, and spirit. Mm. Do my thoughts align with my words? Do my mm. words and thoughts align with my beliefs? And more importantly, do my actions and reactions, which is really where I know if I'm in alignment, do those match up with my beliefs and my thoughts? And if there's no congruency between those aspects of myself, I am so misaligned. But the cool thing is through the work of self-mastery and what I do through radical self-awareness is I know how to fix it. Because like you said, when I met myself at that place of imposter syndrome from both sides, I had no choice, but to get ruthlessly self-aware so that I could boldly step into who I'm supposed to be on a Dharma purpose and soul mission level. So alignment really means, am I who I say I am? Mm. Am I walking the walk? Am I posting on Instagram for likes and because I want people to believe my social mask or my ego, or am I speaking from a place of authority because I actually do this? And that's how I teach. I only teach through my own experience to know that I am teaching from a place of truth and wisdom and not look at me, click my post and give me a follow. Um, so alignment really is Am I reacting with grace? Am I reacting with compassion and forgiveness? Do I allow people the dignity of their own spiritual experience? Do I try to impose my will onto other people? Am I trying to control anyone else? You know, the character traits that don't serve my highest that I've worked through are superiority, condescension, um, really just, and, and this was that shadow aspect of myself that was that it, it was a lie. The way that I co-signed my own 
fake social mask, my own, oh, divine feminine was, I had to be better than you. I had to be so amazing. Don't you know? Because if I'm not that I had to get real with myself. So I know if ever those aspects start popping up, I'm like, oh my God, you, you gotta, you gotta pray right now. Like <laughs> switch it to gratitude, sister. You're going right back down the path of destruction. But I know this about myself and I know literally the nuances of what is me helping someone else from a place of authority and wisdom or me being like, eh, no, I actually know way better than you. Let me tell you because it's a fine line in vibration. So knowing that underlying frequency and intention really is the truth of alignment. Mm. Am I, am I really in my purpose, which yes. is our truth? Or am I in my ego and I don't know the difference because I haven't done the work. Mm. And this is a, this is high level work. You know, this isn't something that we usually start our journey and we're two weeks in. It's like, oh my God, I'm self-mastered. I'm self-aware. I know the nuances of my shadow. Like this takes, you know, daily appraisal. This takes ongoing self-honesty and the intention to get to this level and it's such bliss. So I hope that everyone does want to do this because it's such bliss. Mm. You know, imagine living without judging people, you know, not to say I'm perfect. Don't get me wrong. I find myself in judgment and I have to correct it, but imagine that life, like, you know, operating, not from our lower self, from the fear, the judgment, um, the fear of criticism, the keeping up with the Joneses, but living from that place of divinity, faith, knowing acceptance, detachment, mm. you know, like lack or abundance. That's what mm. I like to think. Am I in lack or abundance in that lower self, the misalignment, the non-congruency of mind, body, spirit, my thoughts don't match my words, the, this, the, that that's lower self. That's fear. That's lack or everything is wonderful. I don't need to judge. I'm in acceptance. Everything is an opportunity to learn an up level. Everyone's at their own point in their own journey. Of course I accept where they are. I'm not mad at them. I forgive them because I'm practicing unconditional love. Ah, oh, abundance <laughs> feels so much better, right? It's so juicy. Yes. And now as you're, as you're in a space of self-expression and self-mastery, and you are kind of doing those temperature checks between like, is this, um, embodied, you know, expression, or is this coming from like ego? How does the vixen show up in your life now? Like what, like, I guess my question really is not about how does she show up, but are there points now where you, um, how do I want to phrase this? I was literally just having this conversation with a girlfriend about taking up space. And even that phrase take up space to me is very much rooted in lack. Like I'm taking from you and there right. isn't enough space to go around. But really the question is more about permission to be big, right? Permission to be as bold and as expressive and as like unbridled as you desire and again, there's so much duality in this, right? Because you go back to this idea of, of Playboy, right? And the imagery is unbridled, but really we know that it's not because like you were saying, everything is conformed. You have no choice. You have no expression. And it's very much rooted in manipulation, right? And now here you are, this beautiful divine feminine that is unbridled, that is fully expressed, that's embodied in her truth. And she's acting from a place of alignment. Are there ever moments where you question how big you can be or how expressed you can be? Is there any like fear behind that? 
or, you know, and what does it feel like for you now to be able to step into that siren role and that vixen role? Is there still like that undercurrent of like, is this right or wrong? Yeah. 1000% it shows up. So for me, knowing that I had built my entire adult life from the time I was 19 to, I don't know, 34, 35, I don't know. I built my entire adult life around this caricature of myself, of this overtly sexual wild party girl who doesn't care about anything. Doesn't care if you're, if you have a girlfriend, doesn't care. Like, I don't care anything. I'm, I'm what matters. I'm in charge. I'm the boss. I'm the bad B, right? I refused after I woke up and after I did the work to show up at all as that version of myself until I had healed all of those wounds, until I had looked at every underlying fear, belief, block, core wound, trigger, programming, everything. I refused because I know me. I will show up and lie to myself and be like, oh, I'm wearing this bikini because I'm trying to empower women. No, I know me, Andrea, you like to show off. You like to show like, I mean, woo. So if people actually like look at my um, social feeds, <laughs> I'm <laughs> encouraging anyone to waste a few hours of her life, but you'll see how like it was wildly um, overtly sexual. Then it was like nothing at all by like memes and infographics that I made myself with zero mention of anything about that to now it's like, yeah, I'm going to show up with full makeup and hotness and unabashedly me. Like that's me. I love it because I know that I'm not doing it to manipulate. I know that I'm not doing it for anyone's approval. I know that I actually, in the spiritual community, I do it much to the disapproval of a lot of people. When I first got into the spiritual community, people were like, why do you wear so much makeup? And I'm like, why not? Well, Oh, do you think you're ugly? You know, do you have, um, wounds of not being enough or and I go, Oh no, 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 no. Like I know me. You know, um, I actually really love it. It's a form of meditation for me every day. Like, you know, Melissa, you and I talked, you know, before the show a while ago and we're like, Hey, this is not going to be videotaped. You know, you don't have to wear makeup if you don't want. And I'm like, you know what? I think I, I think I want to anyway. I think I love that process. I love, I, I love like my face, like literally every day is a blank canvas and I don't know what I'm going to create. I have no idea. So for me, I'm like, I'm showing up with full face every day that I want to, don't get me wrong. I don't do this every day because to me, it's a form of expression and it's almost like a form of moving meditation in a way. Mm -hmm. So why am I going to let someone else who doesn't understand that tell me what to do? Yeah. And I remember when I first entered the spiritual community, I toned it down so much. I was trying to do all the bare face I could. And it was so inauthentic. It was so not me. And there's no deeper form of spirituality than radical self-awareness and radical self-expression and radical authenticity. And guess what? The woman that you see today that likes to show up doing artistic creation, especially on my eyeshadow, you know, that might not be me in five years. Maybe I'll move on to sculpting clay. Maybe I'll go on to gardening. Like who knows? But right now, this is what makes the most sense for me and brings me the highest joy. So because I've done the work, you know, I know that I'm not doing my makeup and, and looking in the mirror going, oh God, where are all the zits? Can I cover all this up? Oh, is that a new wrinkle? What can I do? 
That's not my mindset. That's not my intention. So I mentioned this because a lot of women might be listening to this and thinking, oh, okay, well, Andrew does her makeup. She's embodied. I can do mine too. Yeah, do whatever you want. But what I'm saying is I do mine from the lens of what can I create today? Like, what can I express today? Am I feeling moody and sultry? Want to do a smoky eye today? Am I feeling playful and want to do like today? I did like some hot pink. Like, that's like, it's a creative force. So I implore women, do what makes you feel happy, but know the underlying motivation and intention behind it. I know I'm just as beautiful without makeup as with it. And so I'm not doing it from a place of I'm not enough or I'm not worthy or will they like me or, you know, oh my God, what if they see zits on my face? You know, that that's not it. So I just implore people to do what brings them the highest joy, but know where it's coming from. Because if it comes from a place of self-worth, it's going to be so much more rewarding. And it's actually going to turn out to be a much prettier creation. Because I I mentioned this, because I have created a face before where I am coming from, oh God, I'm so puffy today. What am I going to do? I look like shit. Help. And it doesn't look good when I've done my makeup because it's like panic and frantic and I'm trying to camouflage. But when it's like, what can I create today? Um, it turns out to be so much prettier and that's just a universal truth in life. And you, you have so much more magnetism in that space, right? And this kind of goes back to what you were saying before about when you decided to transition out of that archetype at, at Playboy and step into owning more of your power and things just started showing up for you. It's a, it's a claiming or a reclamation rather of your magnetism and your truth and your authenticity. And there's, there's so much power in that, right? Like people are attracted to that because that's what they truly desire. That's right. That's what they truly desire. And when you look at people who do have, you know, that Q factor, that X factor, that magnetism, like, I mean, even if we just look at like celebrity culture, mm-hmm. it's the people who are nothing like anyone else. Mm-hmm. It's the people who really are different and so uniquely them. And I'm not going to get into the whole like, you know, matrix of the entertainment industry, because a lot of that also is, you know, manufactured by a production team or this or that. But the perception is this person is so wildly and uniquely then that there's something very attractive about that. Mm-hmm. So if we really want our soul essence to attract that like resonance, like how you and I have pulled each other into our own field of awareness and how we have other mutual friends that we're all in this same energetic field is because we're rocking at that frequency mm-hmm. of authenticity. Yeah. And that's why we're pulling each other in. Yeah. So if people listening are like, I want to call in my tribe, be your truest self and be unafraid and just show up. And I guarantee in no time at all, you will call in the coolest group. And you know, it's okay if it's four people. I've, I've told um, a lot of my clients, I would much rather have four quarters than a hundred pennies. Mm-hmm. You know, if I have four best friends who have my back and love me and support me and will, you know, call me out when I'm acting out of sorts or, you know, just be there to lift me up when I'm low. I'd much rather have those four than a hundred, you know, fair weather friends who show up when I'm throwing a party or this, that, or the other. So it's not about how big my tribe is. It's the quality of my Mm. tribe. And that's done through resonance. That is so beautifully said. I loved what you just shared about four quarters versus a hundred pennies. Like what a powerful visual, even, you know, like 
that really anchored a lot for me. So thank you for sharing that. So speaking of magnetism and manifestation and calling people. And I know these are things that you're an expert at and that's the way that you love to share your gifts. So what are some of the ways that you serve your clients right now? So I serve my clients in a couple of ways. I offer one-on-one mentorship program, which is the, I am everything project, which is um, based on an online course, but it really is mentorship because we work one-on-one privately together, um, handling whatever's going on in their life, their blocks, their limitations, their beliefs, anything that needs uh, customization and, and handholding. I am my client's best friend. I'm their champion. I am their biggest cheerleader. And there's nothing that we have not been able to break through. You know, I just had a client go from daily level eight, um, anxiety. She's now reporting between zero and three at the highest. So it's like, there's nothing that we can't do when we get real with ourselves and eradicate the fear. I also, um, throw retreats and offer workshops. So those are the main ways that I'm showing up to serve. And really what I teach is self mastery, self mastery. Again, is living from that place of knowing and faith, truly living from the divine, from the the higher levels of consciousness. And not to say we don't still have the lower levels in our life, but we don't live there. Like I might have a valid concern. Let's use finances as an example, because typically everyone has a valid concern about finances, but instead of it going from an avalanche into, oh my God, despair, hopelessness, I'm going to lose the house, the, the downward spiral of fear. I just have that valid concern. You know, so it's like not allowing myself to flow into lower levels of mindset and consciousness. I'm constantly staying at higher levels. And if I do dip down, I know how to fix it. So how I teach that is by really starting with our spirituality. I think that's one of the things that uh, sets my business apart when it comes to self-mastery. It's not just, oh, let's neural, you know, um, reprogram, let's do neuroplasticity, let's rewire the brain. Don't get me wrong. We do all of that. But mm-hmm. I start with overstanding, understanding this quantum reality in which we live. So that also means really getting to the nitty gritty of universal law and natural law and connection with our own higher power source. Yes. And if we can start, if that's the foundation of our self-mastery, we cannot fail because when I fail as a human, guess what? Universal law isn't going to fail. Source Mm. isn't going to fail. Natural law never fails. Let's be Mm. real about that. So knowing that I can't fail because that's my bedrock. I mean, keys, keys to the kingdom. Mm. I love this. So freaking powerful. Like there's so many good, like one-liners and quotes. And I mean, I took away so much from this conversation. So thank you. And you're your energy is undeniable and infectious. Like it's, you can clearly see that you are a product of your work because your magnetism is truly undeniable. So thank you so much for that. And where is the best place for people to get into your energy field and connect with you? 1000%. Um, my Instagram is where I am the most. My link tree has everything, how to book with me, how to do my mentorship programs with me also has free, like raise your vibration guides or be your most authentic self or find your purpose guides. So I always offer, um, some kind of rotational freebies just to get people starting the process. Um, also they can find information about my retreats. I have an upcoming retreat happening, um, next month in November. Uh, that's going to be pretty rad in Southern California, depending on when this episode airs and 
that's and andrealol.com is, you know, my hub, but I'm really on Instagram at the I am everything project and I answer my own DMs and I'm just obsessed with that creation Same. process too. I love making, you know, my little videos and my this. So I, I'm just obsessed with it. So I mm. hope everyone connects there. Yes. Okay. So last question. What are you celebrating right now? What am I celebrating right now? You know what? I'm celebrating. This is going to sound weird. It might make me emotional. I'm celebrating uncertainty. There's so many things going on in my life right now. You know, not just the move, but so many other things that like I have desires for. And I love the fact that I don't have to know exactly how it's going to pan out to know that it's going to be perfect. And, you know, when we talk about being boldly courageous, really detaching from that outcome and surrendering to that law of uncertainty, which is a natural law in which I abide, you know, but truly to like integrate it. That's huge because I would have never been uncertain about anything before making some moves that I'm making right now. And, um, I'm just so proud of myself for getting to that point where it's like, I'm in such faith and I'm in such spirituality that like, I don't need to know how it's going to turn out to know that it will be perfect. So thank you for asking me that question. And thank you for, again, bringing me to an emotional state that validates like I'm on the right path. Mm. I feel that on such a deep level. And this is the, that space right. Of operating between fear and faith and, um, a boldly courageous woman walks with courage and fear in pursuit of what sets her soul on fire. And it's just such a perfect example that even though you are walking with courage, fear is always there. There's always the sense of like, I don't know, but I do know. Right. I don't know, but I do know. And just trust like deep trust. So I'm honoring and celebrating you for that as well. And I know that whatever comes out on the other side is going to be so freaking powerful for you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Andrea, thank you for sharing your light and your gifts and your message with not only myself and the community, but the world, because I know your impact is being felt. And if you guys love this episode, which I know you will, please share it. We love when you share on social and tag us and let us know what your biggest takeaway was. It's like, it's like a virtual hug mm. means so much. Um, yeah. So sending you so much love. Thank you again, Andrea, for being here. And until the next episode, live your boldly courageous life. Bye guys. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life. Bye.